Amen. Thank you, choir and orchestra, for leading us today as you have in worship. Well, this morning, <clears throat> we're going to begin this new series, as I shared with you already. And uh, our text today is going to be found in the Gospel of John. And so if you have your copy of the New Testament, I want to invite you to John 15. And it's a very familiar passage of Scripture, I think, to you. <clears throat> and I think you will recognize it, but we're going to use it to guide us in our time of worship today. And uh, I've entitled the message, First Baptist Arlington, On Purpose. And as I said, we're going to receive the Lord's Supper today, and so I'm going to ask our deacons to go ahead and make their way to the front, if they would, and our ministers who are going to assist them. And as they're making their way, I want to invite you to stand uh, with me as we honor the Lord Jesus today in the reading of his gospel. John 15, verse 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean, or you've already been pruned, if you will, because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Thank you. You may be seated. <clears throat> and this morning, I want us to begin a conversation about the beauty, the, the miracle, if you will, of the church, the context of the people of God abiding in Christ. That's who we are. As the church. So with that said, the fall of 2023, here's our theme, the church. Why does it matter? And I want us to spend some time in September, October, just thinking about that together. So here's, here's what we've done to get ready for it. Um, Kurt Grice, um, after a lot of conversation, prayer, consultation, Kurt has really helped us think through our theology as a church, as a staff. And so he's written this little catechism, this little booklet, if you will, called Glorifying God by Following the Jesus Way. They're available for you. We'd love for you to get a copy of it. And then our staff has put together these nine Sunday school lessons that you're, many of you in your Bible studies are going to begin today. And we're going to study these nine foundational truths. All of that is on top of what we're going to be doing here in the sanctuary on Sunday morning. We're going to study together over the course of these two months nine truths about the church. And what I would tell you is I'm, I'm convinced that this is a crucial conversation and it's coming at a pivotal moment in history because the church with the big C is growing around the world at unprecedented rates. The data indicates that. Across the world, Christianity is the fastest growing religion on the planet. 
and it is gaining great ground across the world. However, here in the U.S., the church is facing some challenges. I shared with y'all last Sunday this new book that's just been published, and it is, um, it's entitled The Great De-Churching. Who's Leaving? Why Are They Going? And What Will It Take to Bring Them Back? Jim Davis and Michael Graham, these two pastors from Orlando, Florida, basically have taken the research that's been conducted by several uh, researchers where we've discovered that over the last 25 years, 40 million American adults have stopped going to church. The mainline churches have been the hardest hit, but it's affected everybody. And then, if you're familiar with Russell Moore, Russell Moore is the new editor and CEO of Christianity Today. He's just published a new book entitled Losing Our Religion, an altar call for evangelical America. And it is a challenge in particular to the evangelical branch of Christendom about what it means to truly be who we're supposed to be in this era, in the life of our nation primarily. I would just say that I believe we're at a hinge point in history. And to me, it presents us with a wonderful opportunity to show our world who the church really is. So we're going to talk about that over the next nine weeks. And we're going to use the book of Acts as our guide. Okay, Luke is the author of the book of Acts. And Luke's account, the book of Acts is Luke's account of the ministry of Jesus. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, continued through the church. When you read the first page of Acts, Luke says that this is what, what Jesus began to do and teach. He wrote about in his gospel. And now the work is going to continue through the church. And so we're going to read the book of Acts. We're going to reflect on the church. Here's what I want to tell you about the church. I love the church. I do. It's messy. And you know why it's messy? Because you're in it. I mean, that's, what, that's just what makes it messy. You and I are in this together. I, I, I just love the church. I love the messiness of it. I love the humor of it. One of my favorite things that I like to collect are uh, sayings on church signs. I, I love those. Uh, the Lord knew better than to give me a church that had one of those in front of the church because I think I would have been fired probably 20 times because I just couldn't help myself. But during COVID, our friends and fellow believers who have churches with signs, they have been at their best performance. They've been good through the years since I've been a preacher, but I'm going to tell you the last couple of years, they have upped their game. I don't know if y'all been following them or not. Let, let, let me just read you some of my favorites that I have read during the COVID era. One says, the fact that there's a highway to hell and only a stairway to heaven says a lot about anticipated traffic numbers. <clears throat> Acting perfect in church is like dressing up for an x-ray. <clears throat> Tweet others as you would like to be tweeted. <clears throat> when you throw mud, you lose ground. It's <clears throat> interesting, isn't it? <clears throat> Don't give up. Moses was once a basket case. <clears throat> <laughs> Tithe if you love Jesus. Anyone can honk. <clears throat> um, Jesus is God's selfie. I kind of like that. If God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. 
I hate this church, Satan. Mm. God wants spiritual fruit, not religious nuts. <clears throat> um, <laughs> there's a couple on here, but I'll, I'll, I'll go on. Um, but you know, I, I, I love that. I love, the, I love the humor of the church. I love the familial life we share as a church, but I also love the holiness of the church. The church plays a unique role in God's great plan of redemption. And so here's what I'd say about the church. If you were to ask me just to give a simple answer, what is the church? I'd say the church is a purposeful community of gathered believers following the Jesus way together. That's really how I would sum it up. The church is not just a gathering. The church is a purposeful community and God has brought the church together for a reason. God has a plan. He's at work in the world. Um, in fact, one of, the, one of the best texts to help you and I understand what God is really doing through the church is just the entire book of Ephesians. So I'll give you a little clue. 2024, that's next year, right? 2024. We're going to be studying the book of Ephesians together. We're going to use themes from Ephesians all year long in 2024. Okay? Let, let me just read to you what Paul says in Ephesians 1 about what God is doing. He says, with all wisdom and understanding, this Ephesians 1, verse 8, he has made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment. So he says, God has revealed to us what he's doing. And then Paul says, here's what he's doing, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. So if you want to know what God is doing, it's that. What is the great redemptive plan? Bringing unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. So the church is part of that. So what is God doing? God is redeeming, he's reconciling, he's restoring, he's renewing, and he is bringing everything together in Christ. And the church is at the very heart of God's plan so we're not here just to do good. We're not here just to have a place to meet. We're not here to make ourselves feel good about the good that we do. All of those things happen. But we are here as a purposeful community. And we are to be at the very heart of the plan of God. So here's what I'd like to do as we walk through these next nine weeks together. I want us to think about the fact that we're supposed to experience God's redemption ourselves and we we're, we're, are supposed to express his redemption to others. So I want to connect the grand purpose of God to our church. So over these nine weeks, we're going to talk about the church and we're going to talk about our church. Does that make sense? So let's talk about the church, big C. Let's talk about our church, First Baptist Arlington. How do we connect to God's great plan? Well, let me just offer you some ways that I see that happening today. Let me remind you of our theological statement, glorifying God by following the Jesus way. You'll notice that was the title of the catechism Kurt wrote, and the reason for that is we believe that statement summarizes our theology. God has called us to glorify him. The only way to glorify him is by following the way of Jesus. So that's our theological statement. Here's our purpose statement as a church, becoming fruitful believers influencing our world for Christ. 
So what are we about as a church? How are we helping to fulfill this great redemptive plan of God? By becoming fruitful believers, influencing our world for Christ. That captures, I believe, the two responsibilities that the church has. First of all, enrichment, becoming fruitful believers. You start there. The church is supposed to be in ministry in such a way that it enriches the lives of the people who are part of it. So, you become a fruitful believer. That's what we want for you. If you were to ask me as your pastor, what do I want to see happen in your life? I want you to become a fruitful believer. John 15 is a part of the core teaching of that. What does Jesus say in John 15? We just read it. Jesus said, I'm the vine. Now I want you to abide in me. I want you to remain in me. That means that a part of our job as a church is we want to get you connected to Jesus. Okay? So, we want you to receive him as your savior. Then we want you to live with him as the Lord of your life. That means that you and I are to have an interior life with Jesus on a daily basis. We're to walk with him every day. We're to follow his example. We're to accept his teachings in our lives. We're to acknowledge his lordship in our lives. We are to recognize his authority over our lives. We live every day to serve his purpose wherever he puts us. We learn how to listen for his voice. We learn how to submit to his leadership. We learn how to submit ourselves and serve his will. Jesus says in this text, I'm the vine now. Attach yourself to me, not to my cause, not to just my teachings, attach yourself to me. We are to follow Jesus. And so we're to abide in him. We are to remain in him. And the reason that's even possible, y'all, is because he has sent us his Holy Spirit so that he now abides with us and in us. And it is through that dynamic work of the Holy Spirit that you and I can be changed. And as we get to know Jesus, and as we start following Jesus, and as we abide in Jesus, the character of Jesus begins to grow inside of us. How do we know that that's happening? Well, we have clues from the scripture. We have indications from the scripture. So for example, Paul says, once you submit yourself to the lordship of Christ, and the Spirit of God begins to work in you, then the character of Christ is developed in you and begins to be expressed. The fruit of God's Spirit, in other words, ties right to this text. Jesus said, abide in me, you'll bear fruit. You'll have the character of Christ in you. That's the fruit of God. So that means things like peace and love and joy, and forbearance, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. Those are all evidences of the character of Jesus in us. So you and I can evaluate ourselves. How am I right now? Am I a person of peace? Is love alive in me? Is there a deep joy in my life right now? Am I gentle? Am I faithful? Am I kind? Am I good? Can I demonstrate self-control in the moment? All of those are evidences of the character of Christ. And so a part of the responsibility of the church is to provide you with enrichment so that you can become a fruitful believer. And I want you to notice what this text says. In John 15, verse 8, Jesus says, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. You'll show yourself to be mine. He says. And so glorifying God by following the Jesus way is the way of fruit bearing. So we're to be enriched. 
But we're not just to be enriched as the church. That's not enough. We've also got to engage our world. So that's engagement. Influence in our world for Christ. And I want you to notice we, we've worded that very carefully. Becoming fruitful believers, that's enrichment. Engaging our world for Christ. I mean, enrichment, becoming fruitful believers is enrichment. Influence in our world for Christ, that's engagement. I want you to notice, we didn't say influencing the world, because that's too big. I don't know how to influence the world, do you? My goodness, Lord, help us. Look at the world. But guess what? I can influence my world. I'm talking about where I live. And so that's the challenge. The church is purposeful. Experience the redemptive work of God in your own life, then express God's redemptive work in your world. In other words, on Monday, the fruit, the character of Christ ought to spill out wherever you go tomorrow morning. When you engage in those business conversations, when you're living life with your family, when you're trying to make decisions in your own inner spirit, the fruit should spill over. And then our community should know about God's love, his message of hope, his purpose, his plan for creation. We give witness through various means so that the people around us can see who the church really is. And y'all, we live, I believe, at a hinge moment where people are wondering what in the world is the church doing? And there are so many different opinions about the church. Just, if you don't believe that to be true, just ask people you meet this week. Hey, what do you think about the church right now? I'm going to tell you right now, you will get an earful because I've been doing it. Well, what do you think about the church? Well, I'll tell you about the church right now. <laughs> I'll tell you what the church is doing wrong. Now, not all of them are in the church, but many of them know what we're doing wrong. I get it. <clears throat> so, here's what I would tell you. I'm in this church. This is my church. And what I mean by that is this is where I belong. And I love this church. I've told y'all before, even if I wasn't a pastor, this is where I'd go to church. I like this church. I believe in what this church does. Now, wait just a second. I'm planning on being your pastor for a while, so don't, don't get any. <laughs> don't be thinking anything. But my point is, this is my community of faith. And so I love this church. And here's what I'd tell you about this church. First Baptist Church, FBCA. We've had seasons of focus and kingdom fruit bearing for a long time. I love that. I'm, I'm honored to be a part of this church. I like to talk about this church. Not because I'm bragging on it, but because I believe in what God's doing here. So here's what I've noticed about First Baptist Arlington. Through the years, God has called people together for different seasons of ministry. Seasons fits with fruit bearing, doesn't it? You bear fruit in season. That's how it works. You have to plant, you have to work, you have to till the soil, you have to prune, and then you bear fruit. And all that is work. And the beauty is when the fruit is born. And so this church has had numerous seasons of fruit bearing. Let, let me just remind you of three seasons under three different pastors. Can I do that real quickly? Some of y'all have been invested in the church for a long time. So let me remind you, 1951, our church called Henry Deese to be our pastor. Okay? Um, he is the only person named Henard on planet earth. Wouldn't y'all agree? Surely. I used to think that was true until one day I was walking across Center Street and a car stopped right in the middle of Center Street and an elderly man got out with a camera right in front of East Hall. 
And I saw him. I thought something was wrong. And I went out there. I said, sir, can I help you? And he said, no, you can't help me. He said, well, maybe you can. He said, do you go to church here? I said, I do. He said, well, my name is Hennard. And I was sitting at this traffic light. And I look over here to my right. And that says Hennard East. And I told my wife, I'm taking a picture because there's another man named Hennard on planet Earth. I've never heard of it before. I said, why don't we pull over here in the parking lot and let me take the picture for you. Let's get out of the middle of Center Street. But anyway... So I did meet another Hennard, okay? And he was from West Texas, so maybe it's a West Texas thing. I'm not sure. But Dr. East came here, 1951 to 1976, 25 years. Those were great days of expansion for this church. Bought property. I can't sum up the ministry of Hennard and Charles and that like, but y'all know, know what I mean, right? Can I just give you a quick snippet? Dr. East came here at a time when Arlington was growing and just kind of becoming a city, if you will. And this church grew right along with this city. And Dr. East led us in that. We built buildings, this children's building. We built this sanctuary under his leadership. He ministered to this city. As a matter of fact, Dr. East, one of his legacies is he blanketed this city with the Baptist witness. And so he helped start churches, Baptist churches all over Arlington. You can somehow connect most Baptist churches in the city of Arlington to Dr. East's ministry. Aren't we grateful for that? Plus, he was just a kind and gentle man, and I, I, I truly loved him. Then in 1976, the church called Charles Wade as our pastor. And Dr. Wade was here for the next 23 years. Again, no way to quickly sum up the work, but my point is, when Dr. East was here, we were in a certain season. One of the, one of the challenges at that time was to spread out the Baptist witness. This church helped do that. Dr. Wade came, and it was a different season in the life of the church and in our city. He led to further expansion, obviously brought more, more land, built more buildings, um, engaged in ministry and preaching and teaching, had a very personal side to him, a very pastoral side to him that touched the lives of, of so many of the people in this church and in this community. Dr. Wade was also a gift to our denomination. We needed denominational leaders in those days. Y'all remember that? We needed people who could stand up and speak truth. Charles Wade was one of those men. I was a young minister in those days, and I remember Charles Wade's voice as a young preacher, and we were grateful for men like Dr. Wade who stood on our behalf. But Dr. Wade felt a calling to express the gospel in a certain way in this community. He's a Jesus person. Remember, he wrote a book about the Jesus Church, but he started Mission Arlington. He helped start the women's shelter in this community. Dr. Wade had that Matthew 25 uh, calling that when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. Uh, that's Charles Wade. He's, he's a, got a gentle spirit about him, a very godly man. I've never heard Charles Wade speak a negative word about another person. He, he may be the best Christian I've ever met. And I love Dr. Wade. Then in 2001, you called this guy. A new preacher shows up from Alabama, sweet home, Alabama, actually. And, uh, and I've been with you now for 22 years. Well, when I got here, we were in a whole nother season. The, the city has, was changing. A lot of things had happened prior to my coming here. Dr. Wade had gone on to serve our convention. I'm grateful to the Lord that when I arrived here, both Dr. Wade and Dr. East were still in this church and their families. And, uh, uh, and their families are still here in this church along with Charles and Rosemary. But when I came, I felt called to lead us to a time of deepening as a church, focusing on worship, and also continue the pattern of growing, purchasing more land, making sure that we established ourselves in downtown Arlington. As, as Katie mentioned, we started a counseling center. But you know, at one point in our church's life, while I've been your pastor, I felt led to lead us to have a more personal response to mission, and we became a sending church. 
Then over time, I felt led to lead us to revitalize this campus to make sure that the mother church could actually support all the ministries that we feel called to. So we went through a season of campus revitalization and called Blessing the Generations, where we basically, we have touched, I believe, every inch of this campus. Every electrical outlet, every piece of equipment. We built a new preschool children's building. Um, we renovated this room. We renovated our um, we, we provided uh, new parking and passageways for Mission Arlington. Um, we have completely renovated the first floor of this building and, and transformed it. It was an incredible time, and praise God for it, and thank you all for your generosity that's made it happen because it truly has positioned us well. Then COVID. None of us saw that coming. I would tell you as a pastor, is this easily the most challenging season in ministry in my life, both leading a church through COVID and leading a church out of COVID. Both of those have been incredibly challenging, but we had to experience it together. And now here we are on this side of COVID, at least when it was in its uh, greatest expression. Well, during COVID and just after COVID, our advisory council, our personnel committee challenged me and the leaders of our church to evaluate our staff structure to develop a better plan for the stewardship of our resources. We have a new level of accountability and alignment uh, for our staff and the way we relate to each other. And, um, and so now here we are. We're 152 years in. So we've been here a long time. We got six and a half blocks here in downtown Arlington. We have three global centers established around the world. We have this counseling center. We have a child development center with about 120 kids in it every single day of the week. We have Living Hope. We're connected to Restore Hope. We have 354 apartment churches that meet every Sunday under the auspices of Mission Arlington that are part of our church. And so where are we right now as a church? Coming through COVID, a lot of churches were devastated by COVID. About 87 churches closing every month across America. Well, today, we're not necessarily where we were, but we're in a different place today. So right now, on average, over the course of a month, uh, we've been doing some research. We have about 1,600 people that are on our campus for Bible study and worship over the course of a month. Individuals, I mean, that we actually can track. We have, uh, best we can tell, based on our research, about 600 more people that join us online and actually watch for more than three seconds. In other words, they actually engage us, okay? So that's kind of our core. And here's what I would tell you. When I look at First Baptist Arlington, here's what I believe. I believe we're poised and ready for the next season of ministry. We, we've been through numerous seasons. And here's what I'd say about these seasons. Every time we find ourselves in a season, no matter what it is we feel called to do, I don't care if it's to, to spread the Baptist witness across the city, I don't care if it's to start Mission Arlington or to start uh, answering the Great Commission, no matter what it is, the fundamental ministries of our church are always in place. We, we never change that. We're always going to be doing Bible study and worship and ministry and missions and evangelism, no matter what. We're going to take care of our people. We're going to do the basic fundamental tasks. But when you, when you sense that God's leading you in a new emphasis, a new season, that means you start connecting the layers of ministry to those areas of emphasis and focus. So what I want to tell y'all is, as a staff, we've been praying and seeking God's wisdom about this, and we believe that the Lord's about to lead us into a new season of emphasis and focus, and we're going to be sharing more information with you about it here pretty quickly. 
In fact, we're talking about it in staff meeting this coming Tuesday, about where we see this next season for us as a church. Reminding you, we're always going to do the fundamental things. Does that make sense? Are y'all still with me? Okay, now let me give you the image real quick that we're not ever going to lose. That's the Psalm 1 tree. The Psalm 1 tree is important to us, okay? So uh, let me just remind you. We're going to be, we're going to address our purpose and continue to grow and evaluate the impact of our church. So we're going to be purposeful, transformational, influential. I love trees. Now, you find all kinds of trees in this old world. For example, you got new trees. Okay, let me just show you. Here, here's a new tree, kind of a young tree. Okay, that's not First Baptist Arlington. Okay, we're not new. Then you have these giant trees, like the redwoods. Aren't they incredible? But that's not First Baptist Arlington either. I want to give y'all a, a, a picture, if I can, of how I see First Baptist Arlington. Look at this next tree. Um, this is how I see us. So let that hang in there for just a second. I want you to look at it. It's big. It's been around a while, obviously. It's seasoned. It's weathered. But look what it's done. It's kind of reached back down. It's probably got multiple places where roots are growing. But it's a great place to play. There's a whole lot of shade, a whole lot of fruit, and, and it's leaving an impact where it is. That's the tree that I think of when I think of First Baptist Arlington. It's complex, it's fruitful, and I believe it's effective and influential. So what would I say about First Baptist Arlington right now? We're on purpose. That's what I'd say about us. We're on purpose. And so I want to invite you during the fall to think about how you fit in to this church right now. Not how you used to fit in, but how you fit in right now. And I want to invite you at this point in your life to invest your life here. And let's together, let's influence our world for Christ as we continue to become fruitful believers in this place. May it be so. Let me pray for us. Lord, today we thank you. We thank you for our church. I want to thank you for the church. <laughs> My goodness, we've been blessed by the church. And Lord, we've been blessed by our church. And so I ask you, Lord, today, as we begin this series on the church, give us wisdom to pray, reflect, meditate, think about, contemplate what it means to abide in Jesus, to follow the Jesus way in the deepest part of our lives, and then how to express the fruit that comes from that in our everyday lives and in the life of our church. And I pray that in Jesus' name, amen.